Welcome to IDGen. This is your host, Zach. This is Hunt Fry. We are back each week tracking down, exploring the most exciting crypto stories we can find, hacks, mysteries, exploits, really anything that feeds our crypto curiosity. Welcome, DGens. Come one, come all. It's good to be back here with you, Zach. I'm excited. Likewise, what are we going to get into this week? Yeah, let's let's start off with some of the headlines that have uh, been going around the uh, crypto world this week. Um, starting off with some optimistic news and not the layer two optimism. Um, Ethereum developers tentatively set the merge target date for September 19th. And that might be part of why we've seen some bullish price action and some optimism in the space. That's pretty exciting, huh? Fantastic. I always take it with a grain of salt. We've seen a lot of these deadlines gets pushed back, but uh, if it happens in September, I will be ecstatic. Yeah. And then moving on, uh, hackers steal 400K in NFTs from prominent projects like Bored Ape with a malicious mint link. And then uh, Korean prosecutors raid crypto exchanges in a continued terror probe to find out what really went on with that whole mess. <laughs> Terra probe. We've been having a heat wave here in America, and I know Europe has been having one as well, so much so that Bitcoin miners have had to turn off their mining rigs and mining farms. And just this week, the Texas miners are finally able to turn back on their BTC mining and from being dark recently. Um, and then popular game Minecraft just announced that they are not going to move forward with integrating nfts the quote is integrations of nfts with minecraft are generally not something we will support or allow reports defiant news in an ever more common story crypto exchange zipmex has frozen customers funds mm -hmm. and paused withdrawals citing market conditions it seems to be a theme happening recently where are they based out of you know, I don't know Zipmex. I'm guessing that they are out of a few different places that they might not actually live, but we'll see. <laughs> and the FBI is seizing 500K in ransom from North Korean hackers who held a Kansas hospital to a ransomware attack. And then fake job offers have been rumored to be the cause of the famed Axie Infinity Ronin bridge hack. We'll have to dive into that. I don't know if I'll have time this episode or the next one, but that's pretty exciting. And then last but not least, Harmony Protocol, $100 million stolen from a bridge attack. And I know Zach has Yikes. been researching some of that, and I'm excited to kind of hear what your thoughts are on that whole mess, because we were seeing Harmony around a lot. They were making a huge present at different events and online, and um, they were balling. <laughs> they were throwing money around, and I wonder if that'll be the case after this hack. Yeah, there's some pretty good jokes in the mix there with that name, very unharmonious. Uh, Zipmex is uh, Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia, and Australia. So the old uh, Southeast Asia region on that, just look that up quickly. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. So <clears throat> before we go into a full-on freestyle onto some of those different topics, a little bit of housekeeping. We had, uh, this is a, our, our seventh episode, and... Uh, we had been releasing every week up until this one. So uh, what happened? Well, a lot of different things happened. Uh, both Hunt and I are pretty busy. We have a lot going on. We started traveling. We had some remote setups that we were hoping to test out and broadcast and uh, kind of connect up. 
different recording styles, as you might recall if you've been listening for our, our first few episodes. I love the audio engineering side, so we were getting into playing with how we could record remotely and splice it all together and this type of thing. So we ran into some issues with that. And then uh, honestly, you know, we have some disagreements on our format and style. We were, we're kind of trying to find our, our fit and how we want to, what we want to do for the show specifically. So I was going for more of the structured format and Hunt was leaning more towards a freestyle format. So with that and the combination of all the other things going on, we just let it fall to the wayside. Do you feel like that's a, an accurate or fair description? I think that's pretty fair. You know, I think for people who don't know Zach personally, he if he's doing something, he's giving it 175% and he's going all in. And so when we were remote and trying to record, it was, you know, not the same quality and internet issues and things. And so kind of fell to the wayside of Zach starting a company, me booking uh, 100 concerts this summer and being all over the place. Um, so yeah, I feel good to be back and I'm hoping this is going to be a more regular thing and we can kind of, you know, go through all this kind of bear market stuff together and go through all these exploits and hacks and, you know, kind of be around with our community during, during what is not the easiest times, but I, I like bear markets. It's where it gets less noisy, you know, the, the tourists leave. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited to be back and let's, let's, let's do it more regularly. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I've started meditating, so maybe I'll only be at like 120%. I won't be as intense. <laughs> you got to teach me on that. I, I, I might need some of that meditation love. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm, I've been doing the uh, Sam Harris app, Waking Up, which is pretty interesting, I will say. Uh, but I actually, if we wanted to go down that rabbit hole, that's a whole different topic. And uh, Kevin Walkie, of all people, led me to something super interesting that really kind of set me off on this path with all that stuff. And I would love to talk about that some other time as well, if and when it gets related to crypto. I will say I was in New York for NFT NYC, and uh, Dow NYC is actually what caught my eye first. I didn't even know about NFT NYC. Then I saw that. And uh, we could talk a little bit about that, which was a wild experience. However, what I was going to say is that I met someone there and during a lunch break at Dow NYC. And they were like, oh, you have to meet this person um, and talk to her about what she's working on. It's, it's um, very, I think you guys will, should connect on what, what you're working on, which is my project, Zevo. And I reached out to her and we started talking and she didn't really know why I was reaching out to her. But it turns out she was... Uh, part of the team that did the uh, proof of meditation at uh, ETH Denver, which is cool because I voted for them. Cool. I didn't yeah. know anything about that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, right? The concept is like uh, you you meditate and you get rewarded for the time you spend meditating. Is it like a POAP reward or how are you rewarded? I think it's tokens is, is cool. the concept. Yeah, I don't know 100%. Um, you know, the whole... Uh, anything to earn it kind of like i think play to earn open people's i opened the headspace up to all these cool possibilities right stepping yeah dude that shit is crazy people were making 200 bucks a day to walk for 20 30 minutes that's that's wild and uh i like how this is coming in with the ethereum community for those who don't know like meditation seems like a pretty in line with the way that community acts and uh so i think that makes total sense it's cool i think that 
there's a lot of tokenomics questions. And, you know, one thing that Hunt and I have probably discussed, maybe offline, I don't think with our, um, maybe, I don't know if we discussed it or not on the podcast, but we, we have not talked about, we don't talk about market price. Like if it's relevant to a story and obviously like talking about hacks, the token, what the price is, uh, is important. Right. And those types of things. But in general, like, it's just not something that we, I wouldn't say that we intentionally don't talk about it, but it's just like, I don't know. There's so much price talk everywhere that it's like, we kind of liked the space not being about that. Definitely. It's hard to avoid sometimes, but I think that, you know, it's generally, it does affect the sentiment and how much runway companies have and so forth. But, you know, us getting involved in the daily movements and these upswings is, you know, there's far more important things for us to cover and talk about. So yeah, we don't, we don't mess with it too much. Yeah. We, we try not to hit it up now. That being said, this is like, this is, a lot of people's first bear market. It's really intense. A lot of people are hurting and that, yeah, like you said, that just impacts the way that so many different things go. And, but I will say that's not why we took a break. So. <laughs> we took a break cause we were broke. I mean, I remember my first bear market and I believe it was Zach's second. And like Zach was pretty cool as a cucumber during it in 2017 when I, 2017 and I was flipping out and, you know, messaging him being like, Oh, I'm down, you know, what's going on. And, you know, I think he had been in early enough to where it didn't affect him. And now I kind of see where he was coming from. And I feel like I have that similar attitude that he did in 2017. Now in 2021, that I am in, it for long term i'm not really getting worried about these short price term price swings yeah it's tough i mean there's like a an un it's like if you can actually somehow separate yourself and be completely calm and unaffected by massive swings in your crypto holdings there's a talent and a skill there potentially but it's also like at what point are you uh, I don't know. I don't know all the psychological terms, but like, are you like a fucking sociopath? Or something? <laughs> are like, you lying to yourself that this doesn't hurt? Like how can losing yeah. this 90% of your net worth not hurt, but we do become numb to it. I mean, a question I had for you about, you know, we're talking a little bit about bear markets is, do you think this was a natural bear market or is something we're going to get into like Celsius and three arrows capital being over leveraged and going down and Terra and Luna, like did that cause the bear market or do you think that this was naturally happening anyways? And as Warren Buffett says, when the tide goes out, you get to see who's swimming without their shorts. Well, I'm not going to pretend that I know or really even have any insights into what exactly caused it. But what I will say is that in hindsight, it's super easy to see, you know, I, I won't even say in hindsight there, it was absolutely obvious January, February, March, that a lot of, uh, a lot of projects are incredibly overvalued and the entire space itself. And I think you could still look at it in the same way, right? Like it's at what degree does speculation and people betting, on you know a certain token potentially or a company doing something in the future at what point does that surpass what they've actually done and provided and you know like where does that line get drawn 
and I, I don't know, but it's pretty easy to look at and see, you know, multi-billion dollar networks that have, I, I don't, I mean, honestly, like less than a thousand daily active users or something. Yeah. And got, that, that doesn't make sense. It, it got to the point where if you, you know, oh, that's not that big of a coin or a project if it didn't have a billion dollar market cap and like coming from traditional world to get a billion dollar valuation or market cap, you really have to earn it. You have to have a product, you have to have customers and you have to have income. And there were just a lot of uh, products that didn't have any of those. They had speculators and they had people who were willing to bet that they might in the future. And they had, you know, people gambling on it and speculating and it pushed the prices up. And I agree. I think it was really hard for me to see during it in January, February, March, but it, is very obvious in hindsight looking back on uh, some of the top signals that we saw out there yeah there's a strange psychology of it for me where when the market is really on fire i think i actually sometimes feel more day-to-day stress because i know that it's not gonna persist and i'm constantly trying to time it and i know you're supposed to have your your get out point set ahead of time so that it's not an emotional position, but you know, Hey, like this is what it is. And I end up in the same position again, although, you know, I did make some moves this time ahead of time and I feel pretty good about those things. But, um, yeah, that leads me to, man, there's so many different things we could talk about here. And I've been, Okay, with this with this market downturn and bear market, I have found myself exploring a growing subset of internet culture, and I think it's best. Uh, I mean, the easiest way to group it up for me is is into the subreddit where I tend to observe these folks, and that is uh, the Buttcoin. <laughs> have you uh, have you checked out r slash Buttcoin at all? You turned me on to the Buttcoin reddit (laughs) and it is uh i do check it out now because you've sent me some links from there and it's actually like kind of better than its name would you know like tell you it's not all just uh shit from the butt coin right so for for anyone not familiar r slash butt coin i would say you could easily summarize as the largest organized group of uh, crypto anti-crypto crypto haters and crypto realists i don't know that might be a little too optimistic but they are extremely against crypto in almost any and all forms, as far as I can tell. Um, I like reading these posts because I think that there's a lot of, I think you get to actually have more honest conversations. Like, in my opinion, they are as far on their side as a lot of the raving cryptomaniacs are on their side who think, you, you know, um, everything's all crypto and crypto solves all problems and, you know, right. So to me, it, they're both opposite extremes, but it's interesting to look at. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to tolerate it. Cause some of them are so ridiculous. I was going to try and pull this one up for the show, but I'll summarize. It was a, a post with hundreds of upvotes and they literally were going through and bragging about how much they love banks and love having their money FDIC insured. This was um, in the midst of Celsius uh, collapsing, right? Because right, Celsius was like rumored, rumored, discussed forever, and then they posted and said, "No, everything's fine." And then it was like, 
I think it was like a day or two later, a it week was later. Literally like two days later. Yeah. But then they, they filed bankruptcy. So during all this, this time our Butcoin has had great uh, fun and great material to look at and to right to, to kind of like point the finger and say, this is how ridiculous it is. So for the folks that lost money, you know, um, they, there's not a lot of empathy there for them, which I have to be honest. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just a cold person, but I don't like anybody who gets into crypto and, you know, you have to know that there's a very good chance you can lose your money. Yeah, I agree. I, I worry about the people who might not have been that into crypto and they might have gotten sold on like, hey, you don't even have to own this Bitcoin thing. You can just put all your savings in a USDC coin and then stake it on Celsius network and they're going to give you 8%. Meanwhile, they were taking your, your USDC and investing it in wildly speculative and risky things like Terra, Luna, and you know some DeFi 2.0 that was just all kind of crumbling with market downturns. So you know, if you're educated and you understand that it's not your keys, not your coin, which means if you don't hold the private keys to your coin, it's you don't have possession of your money. Somebody it's like it's in a third party bank. And so I think a lot of people in our society are used to trusting banks and they assumed that Celsius was a bank, which it was by no means a bank. It wasn't insured. It didn't have to go through the same rules or regulations. And people found out the hard way. And in general, it's a uh, not a good look on our industry but it is important that it happened and it's very healthy long term to get these kind of bad actors out and if it didn't happen now and it happened four years from now it would have been even more catastrophic so you know in the end there's definitely going to be some casualties to this but i think that we will you know i think there's a lot of people out there who now will understand not your keys not your coin would you say it's safe to say few understand I would probably agree with that. <laughs> That's one of our uh, slash Butcoin's uh, favorite ways to mock the crypto community. Uh, another one is, this is actually good for Bitcoin. That's another <laughs> one that they love to say, which you have to admit, both of those are really kind of funny. Like, you know, I don't do a lot of the Twitters. I don't I don't get on. I just, I don't know. It's It doesn't click for me. It doesn't hit for me. I don't, um, I could go down a long rabbit hole on that. I'm reading this really interesting book called Stolen Focus. And he talks about some of the different ways these algorithms promote certain types of dialogue. Anyways, um, now I got lost going down the digression. I was going to say that, you know, you probably don't love the, I was going to guess you don't love the trolling of, of oh, Twitter yeah. and things like that, but then you go on the Reddit buttcoin, butt which is like yeah. almost all trolling, but sure. at least you know what you're getting into when you, when you log on that Reddit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, and so my point was that this, this whole few understand, right. That meme that, uh, if you want to call it a meme, whatever that it came through, like, I just, Honestly, like, I have to agree, it's kind of stupid. It's like, is it really that few understand? Or is it like, you know, I remember when DeFi really picked up, like before DeFi summer, like, you know, before it started to really break out. But like there was, there were, I think compound finance to me was one of the first real indicators that like, this is really interesting stuff. Like we have been look, we've been thinking that we could build interesting stuff on Ethereum. And 
now here is proof. Like this is something really interesting and, and cool that works and makes sense. And increasingly though, uh, oh man, there's, there's more examples that I can even think of from Badger Dow to Olympus, like these protocols, man, how much time did you spend trying to figure out what in the hell you were doing? Like, right. Yeah. Like it's not, these protocols were not straightforward and I get it. People were rushing to publish things. We put it up, how to explain it. Like when you go the slow route, you have to have someone to write up your documentation. You have to, um, have your contracts clearly, you know, outlined, like this is what this function does. And all this stuff takes time and everything in crypto moves so quickly that a lot of these steps get, get skipped. So, uh, I don't know. Few understand is, is a stupid one to me. This is actually good for Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I think I'm I'm a little offended because I've been caught saying all of these things, and it's kind of funny it, because it's good to make fun of yourself and it's good to check yourself because I've I've definitely said all of these statements before. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of why I like reading, you know, uh, Bitcoin. So they call us the butters. We are the butters to them, which is kind of interesting. Um, and yeah, and in, in their world, but, um, I was, I'm not going to say I was having my doubts as I read it, you know, all of crypto is a Ponzi scheme in, in their world, um, which is provably untrue. I mean, you can like compound finance is, is proof. Like there, there is a function, there is an actual product that provides yeah, definitely. You could argue that it's highly overvalued, highly speculative, and an experiment that might not work, but it's not a Ponzi scheme with malicious actors waiting for you to get the next person money in so you can get your money out. Not that particular one. Now, are there, is there a massive prevalence of Ponzi's? Yeah. I mean, because at what point, if you have a white paper and you have an idea and you sell investors, uh, retail, investors, individuals, whoever invests in that, it never materializes. And, you know, now it's a matter to prove if it was or wasn't a Ponzi is to prove if someone truly believed that idea was possible and actually made an attempt to build it and execute it and they failed or if they had no intent of building it. Like it's such a blurry line and a slippery slope there. And ultimately this is, you know, it, it leads to the, to the conversation of regulation, right? Yep. I agree. It's, it's such a spectrum spectrum. And uh, same with the word scam, you know, it's, it's really tough because people online throw out like, Oh, that's a scam. Oh, that's a Ponzi. And it's like, in my opinion, if it could be very overvalued, it could be very, uh, very speculative without being a scam or a Ponzi, it could go to zero without being a scam or a Ponzi. You know, sometimes people try these wild ideas that just don't work out, but then for every one of those that really tried hard and it didn't work out, there's people who built an NFT project who had no intention of building long-term utility, no intention of building a community, and just wanted to get that money it meant and then ride off into the sunset. Yeah, they, totally. And I think that, I don't know, um, it's you can't look at it and just say it's black and white and it's like no regulation versus regulation because the reality is that you know if you're a u.s citizen at least 
regulation is going to come into play. It's coming. And now especially it's coming. Like there's no question in my mind it's coming. But I've talked to a lot of founders and business owners and I've talked to you, Zach, in the past about like, okay, we have this wild idea. We want to build it. But is this legal? How do I do it? Who who can I call to ask them if I'm breaking the law while building this project? And the problem is there's been nobody. There's been like 10 three-letter government agencies who have all been fighting to try to regulate it and with all having different rules. So, you know, with regula- regulation, it's it's going to be annoying. It's not going to be the Wild West that it was five years ago. But it's also going to give some clarity to some of these founders who want to build something. And, you know, and founders are going to be able to get better investments from investors who can say, OK, this is clearly not illegal. We've talked to the CFTC and they say that, you know, you're not breaking any laws, you're paying taxes. Like, that's great. That's that's a bullish sign, in my opinion. But, you know, are, are we going to have to fill out a form when I send Zach 100 bucks in Ether to, you know, am I going to have to KYC with him? Like, I don't want that. And I it might be coming down the pipe. I hope it's not. Yeah, I think that um, going back to that uh, that Butcoin post, that really the 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 bank one was oh I love I love my bank my money's safe and this that and the other I that to me that really solidified and reminded me of what excited me interested me and got me into Bitcoin years ago. That is that is so. Um, as an example, I, uh, I think I was working at Webroot at the time. So I was doing like malware, um, analysis stuff and, uh, the pay was not good, but I, I like socially engineered my way into the job. They kind of caught me. Um, they noticed a couple anomalies on my resume, but it wasn't enough for them to, to not give me the job. And I got my foot in the door and it was awesome and I loved it and, but it didn't pay well. And so this is like uh, 2008. And I remember that I had this, I don't know, who, who even knows what all the circumstances were. The, uh, the Simplistically put, I had my rent payment come through and five or six other uh, debit card charges on the same day. And like I said, money was tight. I looked at my, I got like some kind of notification. I look at my bank account and it's, negative 300 plus dollars. And so this was at the time quite a bit of money to me. And how the fuck did that happen? So I looked through and what the bank had done is there were indeed, let's say six charges that came through on that day. And so this was their logic. They took the $1,200 check and they paid that first, which then caused all six, uh, all the other five charges that went through, there wasn't money for. So they hit me with an overdraft fee for each individual charge. And I called them and I was like, what the hell? Why didn't you just pay all the small ones and and reject the one big one? And they're like, no, sir, this is, we did this for you. Like that was your rent check and we don't want your rent check to bounce. And I'm just thinking these fucking slime balls, like this is, they're not doing this shit for me because they, like, you know, like it, it's like they just completely rob the poor. And if you look, I mean, overdraft fees, the list just goes on with the way that these banks have gouged people have. And if you're in such a position of privilege where you don't have to worry about any of this. Now, I get it. The argument could be, oh, no, I just saved my money. I, I never. But let, let's be honest. 
Like there's people who are financially responsible. I'm not going to say I was incredibly financially responsible back then, but that is an example of the bank, you know, absolutely fucking just ruthlessly. Yeah. We could go on and on about how shitty banks are. And I think we could all agree to that. It's not like banks were this upstanding business that was doing great and caring for their customers that were all trying to uproot. It's like this movement of, you know, crypto and decentralized money came from the fact that they were so hard to deal with. They were so, you know, tough to get your money out. They're tough to get a loan. Everything has so much red tape around it that it's like we needed to find a better system. And hopefully that's blockchain and, you know, decentralized uh, digital assets, but maybe it's something else. But either way, the the banking model that we currently have going on is not sustainable long term. People are going to get too hip to just like how much they're screwing you over. It's it's so bad, man. And and right. And so that was the thing. Like to me, then, hey, here comes this, you know, unstoppable, independent financial uh, I mean, it really, it was just Bitcoin at first, right? And that was extremely appealing to me. Like, fuck these guys. Is there a way that we can have control of our money without all the bells and whistles, without all the fees, without all the, um, you know, all, all the tax on the poor? And <clears throat> I think you're on point because I don't know. I A lot of really cool things have been built in DeFi and more new and interesting things are being built every day. However, you know, um, I don't think we've succeeded at building a new financial system. Now it does, uh, it takes time. And if I recall, as I'm saying that, that's another one of the things that the Bitcoin folks love to love to pick on that anytime something in crypto, uh, isn't where it needs to be that the excuse is, uh, Oh yeah, just you know, everything takes time. But hey, let's be honest. Like, yeah, certain things do take time. It doesn't mean that. It, it, I'm not saying that uh, you know, 100% crypto is gonna change everything. But look, crypto is here to stay. I will say that it's not going anywhere. Oh, definitely. And it's you know, I I personally foresee it not being you know, we in the first world are speculating on these technologies and these assets. I think it's going to happen out of necessity for some people and it's it's going to be they're going to move to a system like Bitcoin not because they want to or they think it's cool or it's elegant or it's decentralized it's because they have to and it's because their government has screwed up their banks and screwed up their life savings and you know you look at places like Argentina that you know is facing like 70 80% inflation so i think that there's a lot of countries that are maybe not in the first world that are going to need to move to a system like this you know look at what happened in sri lanka they're defaulting on all of their debts and they had an uprising and they overthrew their government and so they're starting from scratch and if they're starting from scratch should they as a country of 4 million people build a new fiat or should they go into an existing system like bitcoin that's been around for 12 years and you know has a lot of its benefits to you know starting their own government backed fiat so i think there is room but i I do like your reality check zach on you know we haven't accomplished anything yet for for the crypto industry being valued at one point at like two trillion dollars 
and literally 95% of it is just speculation. Yeah. I don't think that we deserved it yet. And I remember back in 2017 when Vitalik made a post about when we hit a half a billion dollars in the crypto uh, market cap. And we got six times bigger during this bull market. But he said, have we really earned it yet? And he talked about the same point of like, do we have, you know, decentralized uh, file storage? Do we have decentralized banks? Like, you know, where, why? You know, why is it worth these crazy things? And I, I still am more bullish than I ever have been but I'm also more realistic than I ever have been. And, you know, things take time. I mean, I, I, people always compare what's going on right now to the internet, but the internet was around in 2000, 2002, but all you could do was instant message and email. And it took us 15 years to realize the potential of apps like Uber and Airbnb and YouTube and Spotify. You told somebody about, you know, Spotify or YouTube in 2002, they'd be like, how the hell is that gonna be possible? And so like that took, 10 plus years with a widely accepted technology to get to that point, maybe more than 10 plus years. It was around 1990, you know? So it took a while, and I think this is gonna take a while as well. Um, but, you know, sometimes things move exponentially too on uh, if, if people have to start using it by uh, necessity instead of choice. Yeah, well, I think the, the counterpoint or argument there is like, just because certain things took a long time to become successful doesn't inherently mean that any other given thing, you know, that, that maybe hasn't proved its worth yet, it just needs time. But, you know, either way, it, it's hard to speculate on. Uh, as far as Sri Lanka, I don't know a lot about what happened there, but I do know that I would say the problem with Bitcoin as a solution is the volatility. And um, <clears throat> what about our friend Stablecoin? on the Ethereum network. Maybe maybe not an algorithmic stablecoin that we've seen go down so bad, but like what if instead of El Salvador buying Bitcoin for all of its, you know, uh people in its country, um what if they gave everybody a stablecoin and they got the same properties of having sovereign money, being able to control it, you don't have to store it in a bank, you can buy and sell things digitally, but you also don't have that volatility. That's something that I always think about. But yeah, I, I get worried about, you know, some people in El Salvador who emptied their bank account to go into Bitcoin and now they're down 70%. And of course, they're gonna have a salty taste in their mouth. But if we can come up, that's why there's so many people trying algorithmic stable coins is because if they do succeed, I think that that could really help a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, from a purely intellectual standpoint, it's absolutely fascinating to me. However, I personally do not fuck with an algorithmic stable coin. I'm like, I'm going for die. And I'll be honest with you, I have lately, you know, been using USDC. And. But die is a, die is a great example of like during the 2017, 2018 bear market, die got called into question. Are they going to make it? Are they going to lose their peg? But now you watch die deal with this market volatility and they have kept the peg perfectly. And, you know, it's actually a pretty good example of, I think the first Dow, you know, um, that is managing the the project. And I think die is a success story in this, in this, you know, 95% of stuff being garbage. I think die is, is pretty reliable. Um, but that interests me to hear that you kind of, cause I know you've always kind of been a die die guy. I, I have. And I totally, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think that we, you can call die successful. I mean, I think that it really is, has proven, uh, that that concept can exist and is possible. And it was, extremely helpful to me over the years and I, I love it for that however 
I also think that I've heard, I haven't looked into this a lot, that there's kind of like people at Maker, I think people are upset that in this last bull run, especially like Maker as a token didn't do so well. Whereas like all the, you know, things like Luna were shooting up. And so people are like, well, damn, like we want, we, we want a little more, you know, and maybe if it survives, if Maker and the whole DAO and, and all of it can survive, maybe it'll ultimately be proof, you know, that these systems can work, but they were making, in my opinion, more realistic gains. Now, I don't know. I, I didn't track the price of Maker I think that's um, a theme in the in each bull market that we've been through is the the shiny new toy in 2018 never has the percentage gains that the you know the sh- the new one always has higher percentage gains than the other ones. You look at Ethereum, it had some strong gains during this bull market, but definitely outpaced by Solana and Avalanche and and other ones and the real question to me is when we see the next cycle happen if we see the next cycle happen will those avalanches and solanas ever get back to the point like you know you take a coin like litecoin it never got even close to its all-time highs of 2017 and people just kind of forgot about it ethereum is one of the few coins from that era that did go on to make new highs but most other ones did not Mm. yeah that's a good point. And it's, it is tough to watch. I know. And one of the really fun parts, the patterns I've noticed is during these bull markets, man, people make some money and they got it all figured out. It's like your coin goes up, you made a bunch of money and now you are the smartest guy in the room. Everybody's a genius in a bull market. Oh God. It's annoying. It is so <clears throat> I experienced this as like, oh my God. So we were working with some, an accelerator, different investors that they were bringing on. And some of these conversations were so painful. These, there was one in specific where a guy who was very much in charge made a comment. And I was like, man, that's like, that was not technically correct. And I didn't want to call him out. I, I literally was just meeting this guy. He's got all this money. He's throwing it around, investing in all these projects. You know, it's all this stuff. And and I'm like, wait a minute. But that dude, like, it doesn't make sense. This, um, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not going to name names. But he, it was, it was related to um, the copper fair launch mechanisms and the nature at which those are done. And, and um, it was like. So I got in chat after the call and I was like, hey, like, yeah, you kind of mentioned like we shouldn't do this because it's that. And like, I just wanted to point out like, that's not actually how it works. So, you know, maybe we could just like look at it a little more. And he just like, it was so weird. He like replied and he's like, yeah, dude, you didn't know that. And he like shares like some tweet that had nothing. Dude, it was so weird. And I'm just sitting there thinking this guy has millions of dollars he's accelerating companies he's investing in companies and he really doesn't know like how a lot of these things work i'm not sitting here saying that i do i'm not gonna say i'm not trying to i do not understand all of DeFi. i don't understand all the hacks right but like it's okay to 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 admit that it's okay to like not and i think it's like when you get 
into these bull markets, it's just the way it is. People get all this money and they fucking think they're so smart. But that's the healthy, natural part. Where's that guy sitting right now? He's probably lost 95% of his money. And he's probably, if he makes it to the next cycle, he's probably going to have to learn and do some homework and understand things before he gets involved. Because I am going to guess that 95% of people like the person you're talking about get wiped out and don't return. And that's, and that's healthy in my mind because we want people who are accelerating and investing to understand what they're investing in and what they're doing. But for the sake of the butt coiners, uh, how is it healthy? He should have never been in that position in the first place. Like this speculation, him... Okay, I don't know 100% if it's him making money during a bull market that, that put him in these positions. It seems highly likely that he didn't come into crypto with all this money, but, but who knows? But like, how is it healthy just, you know... Uh, because he probably lost a fair bit of it. I mean, I know, I know he lost some, <clears throat> but, um, but like, it should have never. It should. Does it really need to get there first to have that healthy moment? Like, yeah, I, can, can I we? Think, I think it does. I, I mean, did, would you say that you've become smarter with every cycle? Would you say that you've become like learned more about the space? You know more technically. You understand, you know, like I don't know about you personally, Zach, but I've gotten caught up in some not scams, <laughs> but some not so great investments, IOTA. Um, and it's <laughs> like, so after that cycle, I learned that like I should be a lot more timid about making silly investments that I don't understand. Okay. So the, the you know the SEC folks in the room would say this is why we are so adamant about regulating what is and isn't a security and making sure that people who are investing in these projects have the information they need and are well suited to understand the decisions they're making. I mean that's the whole argument that the SEC makes around. I think that's a great argument if the SEC actually understood the technology themselves to be able to regulate it. And I don't think they do. And they made a huge thing saying that that uh, anybody who's going to join the SEC's board that oversaw crypto could not own crypto. And it's like, that is so silly because most people who are educated about it have purchased some and bought some. They're like, this is interesting. I want to own a little small chunk of this. And so that would make them uneligible. Well, people who are regulating the stock market, they all own a ton of stocks. You know, it's it's not like, you know, I, I feel like that's a pretty big double standard. Huge double standard. I, I mean, I can't, I, I, I genuinely can't understand how they could do that with a straight face. Right. I don't understand how they do a lot of their, uh, their laws and regulations with a straight face, but here we are and that's what they do. Yeah. And now look, like I, I think that, the accredited investor stuff is not okay. I think that it's an extremely difficult, you know, problem to solve. And, and, and like, how do you protect investors? I, I believe that we do need some protections in place. There has to be, I just don't think the wild west works. Like it is too many people are going to get robbed left and right of their crypto. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the tricky problem is, is like, well, how do you stop it? And, and like, you know, by the sec restricting 
the last I heard, it was you have to show a million in assets or have 250k in income a year uh, to be an accredited investor. Yeah, mm -hmm, right. Before you can invest in like private companies, uh, right before they're public. Which, which is bullshit to me. It's like, oh, so if you're rich and you have enough money to lose, like you can lose it. You don't need any protections. But if you don't have a lot of money, like you can't place some wild bet on a new startup that you find that you think is going to be successful, but you can sure as hell go buy a lottery ticket and you can sure as hell go to a casino that's legal in most states and put your money on black or sit and lose your entire year's money on the slot machine. But if you want to invest in some early stage startup, then, oh my God, we have to do it. One solution that I've thought of is like, I think if you don't meet those financial requirements, you should take a test and you have to pass the test to show that you understand the risks that you're taking and you understand that things could go to zero and you could lose all your money. And if you can pass that test, then like, sure, let the, the bus driver who doesn't make a ton of money be able to invest in some startup that his friend's running. Yeah. Uh, great point. I mean... <laughs> I would would almost guarantee you that if you forced people entering a casino to accurately display an understanding of the odds and the games that they're playing, <laughs> that they wouldn't be able to do it. I agree with you too. And then there's the other question of if they could, how many would just turn right around when they saw like, like, you know how you go to order at a restaurant now and it's got the calories next to the, the menu on how much it's like, what if to play a slot, you had to say you have a one in 60 chance of walking away with money. Like would everybody still walk up to that slot machine? Well, they won't even fucking tell you. That's no. the thing about slot machines. You, you don't even get to know the odds they can. I've heard that there's slots that are up to like, um, eighty-five percent in in the casino's favor, like insane. Like you would never play like craps and and shit like that at these odds. Yet they are still the most popular game in the casino. Yeah, and and so people want to gamble. Let them gamble. Well, you know why not let them gamble on the companies? And th that's why if it came down to it, and although I say it's a really difficult problem to solve when it comes down to it, I'm going to fall more on the side of letting people make the decision on their own, you know, and perhaps, you know, holding the companies accountable, right? So it's like, maybe let people invest in whatever they want to invest in. But the the options, the companies that they invest in are are held more accountable, right? And that I think is probably the direction that that feels right to me. And hopefully, that's something that could happen with crypto because if you, if it's like you're going to deploy an ERC20 contract, you're going to deploy a token, whatever, you know, uh, standard you would adhere it to. If you're going to deploy a token, if you had, if there was like very clear guidance around what was expected of you and if that thing got pumped and dumped, you know, um, then... A really good point. I love that idea. And I think crypto could enable that. And something we were talking about before we were on the air today is it sucks when a company goes bankrupt and the lawyers get paid, the founders have already taken profits, and then the the investor who put in their hard-earned 200 bucks is getting zero. What if there was a way with crypto to where if a company rugs and goes upside down that the founders get zero, the lawyers get zero, and the the mom and pop investors get paid back first. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's. I mean, within uh, within the contracts, it could be written. Things could be written that way, and but you're always going to have your rogues. Yeah, and if you want to go out <clears throat> and invest in rogue uh, companies, you're going to get handed to you. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think that I need to. It's like to me. If you, I would never, never trust Celsius. I would never trust. But you, I, I think I looked at a BlockFi, but it's not just that I've been around. It's that the reason that I got into crypto is because I wanted an alternative to centralized systems. You're, and you're of the five percent. The other, the other ninety percent get got in because they want to sell their bag for more than they pay for it. And that's, those are the people who are making those mistakes. Yeah. And to be fair, I obviously wanted to do that too. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like, I'm not like, you know, morally altruistically aligned to where I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like I just, I'll just give away all my coins because I'm not in it to make money. Like I do want to make money. Yeah. But it's also like, I would, I would just assume put my money in, what is it that my buddy's always trying to get me to. He's like, dude, just put it into a fucking mutual fund that earns seven percent a year, and like, be done with it. You're you're done. Just just live off that. That would be wonderful. Yeah, and so if I'm gonna do that, I would do that long before I fucking I tried like, you know, uh, Celsius or I did. I feel like I looked at a BlockFi. Didn't BlockFi have like a card? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you looked at that, but you know, um, yeah, we're 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 running up on our normal time. The only other topic I was interested in touching on, and I just wildly surprised that I, I'm going to come at uh, Coinbase in in this way. But man, I've been seeing these posts on on Butcoin about how everyone can't withdraw from Coinbase and and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there, I literally that same day withdrew a, a relatively large amount of money. And they had this new feature where you can immediately send it to your bank. It was a fucking Sunday on a Sunday. And I was like, no, I can't be immediate. It's going to have to be the next banking day. No, literally crypto into Coinbase sold and immediately available in my large U.S. bank account, U.S. based bank account. And I'm, then I'm watching these posts be like, nobody can withdraw and it's like this panic, uh, and it's just so insane how much these guys hate crypto that they'll believe anything. Yeah, the FUD spreads quickly when it's like, you know, the difference between a Celsius and a Coinbase is Coinbase is a publicly traded company, and part of being a publicly traded company is you have to uh, show everybody your balance sheets. You have to show how much money you're making. You have to show how much you have in reserves. You have to prove where your investments are. You have to uh, disclose them, and so like, what happened to Celsius is not going to happen to Coinbase. And people find the dumbest reasons like Coinbase took away their $5 bonus to uh, affiliate marketers who getting new people to sign up. And they say, oh, my God, Coinbase is going down. And it's like they don't understand that Coinbase is opening up in new European markets and they're growing and, you know, love or hate Coinbase. I, I think that that's just all unwarranted FUD. But, you know, in general, like 
I really like this episode because to me it shows that like if you probably listen to the first episode, we were probably talking of a different tone where like bear markets even make somebody who's a veteran like Zach just look at everything and say, why have we earned this? Is this really sustainable and long term? Where sometimes when we're in a bull market, it's it's easy to like push those concerns aside because the gains are great and the number goes up. And so I think that, you know, this is a great thing because even Zach is like looking at things very critically where I don't you've always been a little critical of the market, Zach, and, and smart and thinking about, you know, why things are, are happening. But, you know, I think you're even more critical right now for good reason. And I think that that in the end is healthy for the investors and the founders and everybody to just have a more educated um, group of supporters and speculators and investors. So, you know, I've really enjoyed this episode. Or would you say that few understand this is good for Bitcoin? <laughs> this is good for buttcorn and few understand and we're all going to make it. Yeah, we're, yeah. There are definitely yeah. some cringy things. We're not all going to make it. In fact, I'm sorry. A lot some, of people didn't make it. Man. Some people are going to invest in a, a dog meme coin and they're going to lose 90% of their savings. And yeah, I think in 10 years, when you look back on it, you'd be much more common to meet somebody who lost everything in crypto than somebody who achieved you know, financial freedom in crypto. And I think it'll be 10 to 25% who succeed and 75% who, who don't. And that happens in the markets in general. So, so uh, in closing, I want to throw one thing out there. I mentioned my project that I'm working on and part of what you can do with uh, Zevo is create kind of like interactive content specifically in this case, uh, we've, we've done a couple of these already in the past. I don't know if we mentioned them in the shows or not, but, um, you can think of it like a survey, right? So, uh, with the survey, you can get an NFT and I, we would love your feedback and we're, we're trying to hash out what direction forward is best for us. And I know that we've broken the cardinal rule of podcasting and being consistent and just putting it out there every week, every two weeks, whatever your cadence is. I know that we 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 destroyed that. Uh, however, um, we we had barely kicked off, and I'm hoping that some of you guys out there would check the show notes. I'm going to post with the show notes a link to a Zevo sequence where you can give us feedback, tell us about what you think about the directions, going to ask some questions about the different formats. If you like the more researched and concise formats, or if you just want us to ramble about things. Um, yeah, let, right? let us know. I mean, the best way that I, somebody describes Zevo to me is just a, a tokenized type form. As simple as that. It's a, it's a survey that, you know, when you complete, you get a proof of attendance or something similar to a PO-OP and an NFT. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in the early days of, you know, the first adopters who do these surveys, if somebody's out there who's willing to buy these back from you and kind of pay you for your time, but we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Oh, right. No, that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to Let's just keep it simple. So whoever whoever made it this far in our seventh return episode as we approach the 55-minute mark, um, whoever made it this far, if you're listening, we, hit, love you. hit, we do love you. Thank you for listening. For the, the people that reached out and were like, dude, why the fuck haven't you put a show out? Thank you for for paying, for paying listening, right? We, we genuinely appreciate that. So what we'll do is the first uh, four, let's say the first four, people that mint the the nfts for this show 
I'll, I'll buy those back from, I don't know, 50 bucks a piece. So easy 50 bucks. If you take the sequence, you get the NFT, uh, find me on discord. You'll have all that info will be in the show notes or telegram, whatever. doesn't matter. Reach out to me and just let me know that you're just put your, your, um, episode seven ID gen token up for sale. And I will buy it from you for 50 bucks. You heard it here. There you go. We'll do the first four. So yeah, thank you. And let us know. Take that sequence. We hope that your bear market is, eh, you know, like not bad, I guess. Easy. You'll be, you'll be learning with us. And uh, yeah, take that sequence and let us know what you think of the sequences too. Peace. Take care.